It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, a historic day looms in Oklahoma City tomorrow. A very tough five-game stretch comes up as well, and your mailbag questions. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedInNBA. Use the code LOCKEDINNBA, all lowercase, for the first deposit match up to $100 of prize picks. We're diving into that very important arena vote that looms tomorrow. The next five games for the Oklahoma City Thunder, which will be uh, some pretty important matchups and some uh, matchups where you get to really test what the Thunder are made of uh, in the next few games, plus your mailbag questions on this Monday off day, Mailbag Monday. So a lot to get to today. Tomorrow's show, we're going to have our recap against the Jazz. On Wednesday's show, of course, it'll be all about uh, whatever happened in that vote and the fallout from that vote. And then we'll continue on the week uh, with some interesting games to close out the week as well. So we're here for you every single day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. And you know this week will be a historic one one way or the other, not just for the Thunder franchise, of course, but for the entire state of Oklahoma. And uh, I, I don't think that it's it's mine or anyone else's position to tell you what you should do, what you shouldn't do, who you should vote for, what you should vote for, uh, or what you should believe. But this vote will go a long way in defining what this state can become, what this state can continue to progress into. and so. Vote however you feel fit, but at the bottom line, Tuesday, it'll be to decide the future of where this state goes and where this organization goes also. Uh, So Tuesday, the arena vote, yes or no, on the $900 million stadium where it'll, let's just say 100% be put up uh, by taxpayers. That's not true. The Thunder putting up, I believe it's like $50 million, but it's, it's really nothing in the grand scheme of things. It is on the voters to to get this through uh, and, and to extend that penny tax forward. Uh, if you're in Oklahoma City, you're eligible to vote on this thing. And the bottom line is, do you want this Thunder team, an organization, to be here or not? The Thunder would be uh, an anchor tenant in this new arena, but they would they would pay, of course, their rent to Oklahoma City, the, the Oklahoma City themselves, 
would own the arena and would profit from it on all non-basketball income. So that would be a great thing for the state to generate uh, that kind of revenue. And we've seen what the Thunder have done for this state as a whole to, to revitalize it, to grow this state and to put this state on the map as, as a lifelong Oklahoman. Uh, I, I can promise you uh, this looks a lot different from whenever I was growing up. Uh, and, and then whenever they, they did get here uh, in, in, in pretty formative years, that was awesome. So personally, I, I think that extending the penny tax is, is worth it and is something that uh, I would do if I was eligible to vote in this uh, election. But it's going to be up to you to decide if it's worth it for you. I will say this. It is not fear-mongering. Uh, it is not um, anything other than true that if this vote fails, the Thunder are going to leave Oklahoma City. Uh, the, the, the lease is only through 2026, and the Thunder have all the leverage here. Right, wrong, or indifferent, the Thunder have all the leverage here. You can, you can petition. You can stand up. You can... You can uh, talk about it at nauseum about how the Thunder as an organization should put up more money. That's probably fair. But at the end of the day, this is a business transaction and the Thunder have all the leverage here. And if this vote fails, they will simply move on, pack their bags and go somewhere else where they will get um, a, a new stadium and they will live uh, happily ever after. Uh, Mayor Holt's been pushing that same thing uh, on social media. And if you want to take that granular stand that you know, that the, the Thunder should be paying more. That's fine if you want to to live in that world, in, in that utopic world where uh, the Thunder should should pay for everything and you shouldn't subsidize uh, billionaires' arenas. Uh, that's fine that you can have that principle stand. Just know that that stand will cost you an NBA team and will cost you the ability to ever have a professional team ever again. You are never going to get a better deal than extending a penny tax to build an arena that can uh, keep an NBA team. Because the NBA is never coming back to Oklahoma City, right? You you can take Kansas City for example that they they are still searching and hoping for an NBA team after they lost the Kings, and even though that city has boomed in many different ways and they built that state of the art T-Mobile Center. They were not, uh, you know, someone who got a got an NBA team. Like it, it's, the NBA would never come back to Oklahoma, first and foremost. And then from there, you're never getting an NFL team ever. Uh, if 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 the city does not want to pony up this money. Uh, as taxpayers, it would be out of this world money to, to do everything you'd have to do to get an NFL team, build the stadium, build the facilities, build the offices, build all that stuff, much less to just simply get one, right? Never going to get one. MLB, same thing. Those stadiums are even bigger uh, than than just the square footage of like what you would need for a basketball arena. So that's never going to happen either. So like this is the only chance to be a professional city, to be a big league city. And then again, if you want to go back the hockey route, you would still need a new arena for a hockey team. So uh, if you're comfortable with losing everything that being a big league city has gained Oklahoma, then whatever I say is not going to change your opinion. You're either all in on this or all out on this. And the, the, the bottom line is, if you're listening to Lockdown Thunder, you've made up your mind and it's likely going to be in the yes case, you know, in the yes scenario uh, because you're, you're a diehard Thunder fan listening to Lockdown Thunder every single day, including on an off day where there's no game to recap. But I'm not going to tell you what to do or what you should do. It's just the bottom line is a yes vote keeps the Thunder here through 2050, a no vote, then the Thunder leave and you lose uh, all of the credibility, all of the uh, economic benefits to having the Thunder here, and you don't gain anything. And if we're being honest, you know, again, in a, in a perfect world, uh, 
the Thunder would, would build their own stadium and all this money can be used for something better. The bottom line is the money is not going to go to anything better if you vote no, in my opinion. That can be skeptical, that can be cynical, but I don't think that it would. Uh, so I personally would believe in voting yes, but uh, you know that's just the scenario. If you feel strongly enough to vote no, then vote no uh, about losing you know everything to the Thunder that you, you know, provide and the new team would provide. But we'll see. I mean, Tuesday will be the fate of the organization and the fate of the state, uh, for, you know, for the most part uh, of moving forward. The Thunder have brought so much to the state. Uh, and, and being a big league city has brought so much to this state, even though it's called Oklahoma City and it is in Oklahoma City, it has boom, boomed a lot more than just this kind of uh, metropolitan area. So obviously the host of Lockdown Thunder will be in favor of this. Obviously the team will be in favor of this. And obviously, as is everything political these days, you have your pocket and you stick to it, right? I don't think anyone has changed their mind since the initial proposal, despite uh, you know, town halls and interviews and uh, back and forths on social media. And then despite all the discourse around this situation, just like in everything else, people get their talking points and they stick to them to the better end for better or worse. I think it'll be closer than what uh, you know, many people, people, you know, were perceived it to be even a few years ago. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see what actually ends up happening. This is a big day. This is a big day on Tuesday to, to for this vote. Uh, we'll be tracking it, of course, all day. And uh, early voting, I, be, I believe, began like Friday. So uh, we'll see if there's any sort of early returns on that between now and tomorrow. But yeah, there's there's not much for me to say on this topic of of just whatever you end up doing. Make sure that you have the most information you can have on on the on the situation, uh, and then feel comfortable in, in your decision either way, yes or no. And we'll see. We'll see what the chips fall. But I would vote yes. I think that like. I think that, yes, billionaires should pay for their stadiums, but we don't live in a perfect world. That's never going to happen. It's never going to be the case. And, and when I say never, many people cling to, well, this owner did or that owner did. In a place like Oklahoma City, that's never going to happen. Now, in other places where it's or where they would get other teams, like if, if the Warriors didn't fund their entire stadium themselves, uh, guess what, folks? They're, they'd be putting teams in California, they'd be putting teams in, in San Francisco, right? That's why they move there. It's because it's such a coveted market. Uh, they have a d different operating system than anyone else does. And, you know, yes, you can, you can argue that the, of course the bucks and the Kings two or smaller markets got better uh, support or, or better funding splits from their ownership group. But this is the, this is the world we live in. So we'll see if it's enough to get the job done, but I'll just say to wrap it up, if you're voting no in hopes of a, a different proposal coming, that's not the case at all. <laughs> if you vote no, it's over, in my opinion. And from what we've seen from, from Mayor Hall, if you vote no, it's over. And and like you can write it out these last couple of years and then the team's leaving and going somewhere else. But we'll see. Hopefully the vote passes and it's all behind us. I'm ready for it to be over one way or the other because, like I said, the, the, the discourse between the time that this proposal got announced and now has not changed the same people are arguing the same side of things and using the same talking points and neither one is like giving any common ground. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the arena vote. We'll cover it on Wednesday uh, briefly. I, I mean, there's not gonna be much to say Wednesday either. Like it's either going to be, Hey, this is awesome. Or, uh, Oh, this sucks. So that's going to be the, going to be the gist of the arena coverage. But anyone listening to this podcast obviously has a deeply rooted personal connection to the thunder. Uh, and you, grew up with many memories around this team. Uh, they were, they're with you in very different stages of your life and uh, used as a ability to connect with people 
or your family or escape from things that, that were bad or anything else like that part of it um, is going to be there no matter what falls out on Tuesday. That's the part that, you know, you should hold on to uh, right, wrong or indifferent. And we'll just see. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. But it's a it's a huge day. It's a huge day in Thunder history. Get out and vote either way. Like use exercise your right to go vote. Uh, and let's just see how it all pans out. I would vote yes, but if you vote no, I understand too. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I think it would be uh, huge in a good way for the state to vote yes on this. I think that uh, it will pass, but I'm not a uh, political prognosticator, so that doesn't really mean much. So I'd still go out there and vote and uh, let your voice be heard in either direction, uh, in either direction, whatever you feel strongly about, uh, go do. Coming up, let's do your mailbag questions in the next five games for the Thunder, which I think are going to be pretty interesting uh, for OKC whenever you see who they're matched up against and what they're going to be able to uh, use as a litmus test. But first, what it's here right now, pretty good friends over at Prize Picks. Go there right now to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. And my favorite part about Prize Picks. There's a lot. It's the best way to play daily fantasy sports. Uh, it's just you versus the projected numbers. So you're just picking will it have more or less than their prize pick projections. But my personal favorite part is how it's available in Oklahoma and they give you the reboot policy. So like this is something that like prize picks doesn't have to do and many other platforms don't do it. The reboot policy, like personally, NBA is like what everyone follows. And for me, I follow it the closest. So like the NBA is where I'd be more inclined to to check out price picks, but we know that the game in the NBA, right? You get the tip off and all of a sudden a player who you thought was in 15 minutes ago was no longer in. So with a reboot policy, that doesn't come back to bite you. Like that, you just get to truly reboot from there. That's only on uh prize picks, uh, the daily fantasy sport platform. So it's awesome to have that insurance policy of, if I set my, my bucket of, of entries, right. On, in, on like my lunch break, even if something changes on the injury report, I'm covered, I'm protected. I'm fine. PrizePix makes it easy for you uh, to have that insurance. So with PrizePix, again, you pick two to six players, and it's a Monday. So you can do Monday Night Football, Derrick Henry, more on his yards projections, and SGA, more on his point projections, and boom, you've made an entry, and you're getting to keep an eye on two very good games uh, this this evening. So go over there right now to PrizePix, use code LOCKEDINNBA, go to prizepix.com slash LOCKEDINNBA, and get a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and promo code LockedOnNBA. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder Basketball. Folks, 
the next five games for the Thunder is going to be incredibly important, including tonight in the Paycom Center against the Utah Jazz, a game that you can find, like every other Thunder game, on SiriusXM Radio or the SiriusXM app. Uh, you can check out, and tonight is a great game to check out on SiriusXM because guess what? You can listen to my boss, David Locke, call a Thunder game tonight, uh, and you can go alternating quarters. So do David Locke on, in the first quarter, Matt Pinto the second quarter, David Locke the third quarter, Matt Pinto the fourth quarter. What, what, a, what a great uh, asset that is to have on uh, SiriusXM. So check it out today. You can find every Thunder game, including this podcast also, by just searching up the Thunder, uh, search the Oklahoma City Thunder, and boom, you're going to find them on the SiriusXM app, uh, the SXM app as well, and SiriusXM, of course, in your radio and on your cars and everywhere else you have it. Uh, and also, of course, you can search this podcast and find it there too. But tonight against the Jazz, this should be uh, a win. This should be a win flat out. As of right now, the injury report came out. Of course, this is updated hourly, so keep tabs on social media. But as of right now, uh, the, the the Jazz do not have Laurie Markkinen. They do not have Walker Kessler. And, and those are two big misses for the Jazz, especially when you're matching up with the Thunder. Right, I mean, obviously, no matter their matchup, they would love to have Marketing in there, and they'd love to have Walker too. But the Thunder love to play inside and love to cut and love the and love the score inside the paint. So, not having Walker Kessler to protect the rim is going to be a huge disadvantage for Utah. And then, of course, they have some G League uh, guys on, on assignment, um, like Johnny Juzang and, and Josh Christopher and other players. Bryson Sabal is on assignment, but no Laurie Marketing, no Walker Kessler is the big deal. Lou Dort is listed as questionable with an ankle injury. Uh, so keep tabs on him. He left the game briefly against Golden State, but came back and we mentioned on the post-game show uh, on Saturday morning slash Friday night uh, that, hey, the adrenaline kicked in and we don't really know where his ankle stands. Right now we know it's a questionable. What does that mean? We'll learn more from Mark um, at about five o'clock before this game. But that Jazz game, no matter who plays for the Thunder, you know, with Dort, without Dort, should be a win for OKC with no marketing, no Kessler. Uh, so you get Chet going up there. Got to gotta find a way to contain, of course, uh, Kenthe George, who couldn't fill it up of, uh, you know, at, at, a, at a moment's notice. But the Jazz game should be a win at home. Then you get back-to-back huge tests. The, the, the kind of rhythms of this next five schedules, you know, next five scheduled games, you can even make it six, but it didn't fit on the graphic. Uh, next five games is pretty interesting. You get an easy game versus the Jazz, quote-unquote easy. Never easy to win an NBA game, but still, you're favored. And then two tough road games, Sacramento, who you laid an egg against earlier this year, and then the Nuggets, who have the ability to just blow out the Thunder, as we saw in the home opener. Uh, how have you made adjustments to those two teams? Those are by no means going to be considered must-wins as of this moment on paper. We don't know the injury reports yet, but as of this moment on paper, uh, but you do want to see some adjustments, right, from the first go-around. You want to see the Thunder be more competitive versus Denver. And you want to see the Thunder just bring better effort levels against uh, Sacramento. And against Sacramento, so many things changed because uh, of who Sacramento was missing the first time around. So this is like, gonna hopefully, of course, if everyone's healthy, uh, going to be your first true matchup against the Sacramento Kings to to bait, you know kind of gauge a barometer of where you're at against that team. And then you get another must-win game against uh, Memphis, which should not have John Morant in that contest. And they've been just spiraling out of control in a bad way without John Morant, and they still have uh, a lot of guys on the injured reserve list, uh, injury report list, I should say, uh, with Memphis. So that should be a win at home. Then you play the Clippers and Lakers, uh, you know, in in your next two games in the Paycom Center. Me personally, I think you got to split those. I don't care who you beat, who you lose to, but I think you should split those games. But that's still going to be a a, a tough test. Like the Clippers are quietly playing good basketball right now, 
Um, it's kind of going under the radar, I feel like, a little bit uh, comparatively around the NBA. They're playing good basketball now. They've kind of figured a little bit of things out uh, with their with their post-James Harden acquisition team. But the next five games will tell you a lot of how they handle that schedule, especially those two road games. It's going to be very fun. We're going to cover it all here on Locked on Thunder, including covering your mailbag questions. So let's start those right now. So Smokey Barra says, SGA for MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Clutch Player of the Year. I can promise you he will not win all three of those awards. Uh, not because he doesn't deserve any of the three. <laughs> I think that he's a viable candidate for, for most of them. But the NBA is just going to spread the love around. Like there, I, I'd be stunned if any player would ever pull off a trifecta like that. You know, kind of in the modern era, they would just prefer to kind of give the love to to other players and use the um, you know awards document. It's kind of a showcase of like all the great talented players in this league. And the bottom line is, this league is more talented than it's ever been, in my opinion. So that they do deserve to spread out some of the wealth on these uh, on these awards, on these kind of uh, uh, awards for for these players. So I don't think he's going to win all three. I think it's the best shot to win uh, probably Clutch Player of the Award <laughs> of the Year award because. The criteria for that is just kind of blah. Like you can just a couple couple big plays and they can vote you in for that award. Defensive player of the year award's tough. Uh, typically it's going to go to a big man. And then MVP is just the, the hardest award to win. So clutch player of the year award would be the most likely of the three. Uh, but he has a good shot, uh, a good case as of this moment for, for all three, including defensive player of the year. Like he is a really, really, really good defender. Like uh, contesting shots, uh, getting deflections, diving for loose balls, uh, getting steals, uh, getting blocks. Like he is like truly dialed in defensively it is not just a counting stat situation as he leads the nba in 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 steals collected right now but he's actually been awesome in both ways uh at ja gottford said two possible futures one with a new arena one without is the question is like what happens with and without an arena yeah with the new arena the thunder stay here until 2050 at least without one they leave in 2026 ish so there you go that's that's the answer to that question uh, tight Jersey guy says, can you please address the giddy isn't good crowd? Uh, we have seen him be a generational passer who has a, a decent rebounder for his position and isn't a liability defensively. Uh, he's had a rough 15 games or so. The kid has proven he's an NBA player. Why give up on a 21 year old now uh, on the court? Obviously only. Yeah. So like your assessment of Josh Kitty is, is a bit flawed in my opinion. Uh, he's, he's not just a decent rebounder uh, you know, up, up, through, through the last few years of his career. He's been an elite rebounder, like a truly elite rebounder, uh, generational passer, really good passer, generational on inbounds for sure. A generational passer, just live ball dribble would be a, a little bit of a, a jump, but, but he, he is a very, very, very good passer. And then he has a, fl- a flat out liability defensively. There's no way fans are buts about it. Peak, peak Josh Giddy. Whatever you imagine as peak Josh Kitty is still going to be a liability defensively. It's going to be a player that you need to hide defensively. Now, uh, as you build better defense around him, it's gotten easier and easier to hide him. And you saw against uh, Golden State on Friday where, where he was able to swipe a few steals, uh, p- plug the lane a little bit, and then he looks a lot better defensively than he, than he is because of how other guys are working off of him defensively and taking care of that responsibility. But you also saw last week against Houston where you can just hunt him down and and – really exploit the Thunder with him on the court defensively. Uh, this has been a brutal 15 games, I would say, not just a tough 15 games from Josh Kitty. And ultimately, nobody should give up on Josh Kitty. Now, you can question uh, on the court. You should question what the fit looks like in Oklahoma City. You, you can question if like this is going to end up being a scenario where, as I said on Friday, it's not 
it's not you, it's me type of thing where like Josh Giddy can go somewhere else and play really excellent basketball, but because of uh, the pieces in Oklahoma City just doesn't fit right. Those questions are very fair, so I can't really address that crowd. Now, there is a crowd out there that just thinks he's a terrible basketball player. I don't believe he's a terrible basketball player after what we've seen to his career to this point. I don't know what we saw in the summer. He might not fit in Oklahoma City. They'll take the rest of this year to figure that out, but he's not a terrible basketball player. He's play- he's played terrible to this point in the season. I will say that. But in the in the grand scheme of things, he's not a terrible player. Uh, I think that he's getting better at, at, at uh, pulling back up those rebounding numbers. Recently, uh, he was a lead at them his first two years in the NBA for his position. Uh, and then the, the passing stuff has gotten a lot worse this year because everything else has gotten worse. Like it's, it's so it's hindering his passing ability. But he is a good passer, uh, and he's an elite inbound passer, uh, one of the best in the league at inbound passes. But you know, overall, you shouldn't be giving up on Josh Giddy. But but I but, but I can't sit here and say it's not fair to question him in terms of his fit in Oklahoma City, it, his fit around this roster. It is unfair to say he's a terrible, awful basketball player that like just can't play good in the NBA ever. Uh, and it's even unfair to say he can't play good for this team ever. But right now he's not playing good. And right now uh, there's other players who just fit better. Uh, so you know I, I I can't really address much beyond that for Josh Giddy on the court. Uh, Henry says Giddy's best fit is starting at the four with the starting five. True or false? Um, I mean, true, I guess. I, I I don't think that like it's hard to view this team in terms of positions because they do play different positions uh, on both sides of the ball. They, they truly are positionless. Besides, you know, Shea's the lead guy and Chet's the five, and then everyone else kind of jumbles up depending on the matchup and the and the night. Uh, but yeah, using Josh Giddy uh, in the dunker spot, using Josh Giddy as a screener more could help uh, in the starting five, and then using him just kind of at the elbow where he's playmaking in the in the uh, kind of perimeter-ish level. Uh, pretty much using him like Jay will <laughs> would help a lot, except he can't shoot. So like whenever they give the ball to Jay will, uh, you know, at the, at the top of the key, or give the ball to Jay will at the elbow, and he just makes a play off of it on somebody cutting. Like that could that could be Josh Giddy in the starting five, but. That's not necessarily how you want to play whenever Shea's on the court. Like Jay would not play that way a lot with, with Shea on the court with him because, you know, you, you had a guy like Shea on, on the floor with you. So it's interesting. Uh, defensively, he he plays the four already uh, for the most part of just like that's who that's who generally you you can hide him on with most lineups. Not the case always. Some some teams there's other players to hide him on than the four. But like, yeah, I, I, true, I guess would be the who <laughs> would be the thing. Uh, Big Rex says important question here. Since uh, the Thunder are playing the Jazz tomorrow, what musical instrument would you assign to each player for the Conductor Tags Thunder Orchestra? Uh, I'm okay. Listen, I tried to play an instrument in fifth grade. I was forced to by the school. Uh, that, I hope that they stopped doing that to kids. That was brutal. Uh, tried to pick up violin. Didn't go well. Went down to uh, uh, Phillips Music Store in Lawton, Oklahoma. Shout out the Shady Five Eighty. I picked up a violin, or as my grandpa called it, the fiddle. Uh, tried it for like a week and a half. Uh, it was kind of weird. You got pulled out of the class like to just go play the violin. That part was cool because you got to go to the teacher's lounge for some reason. Like we didn't, there's no like musical classroom. You went to the teacher's lounge. So it was kind of weird. You just saw your you know teacher walking in and out doing their, doing their stuff in the lounge while you were playing the violin. It was kind of, I don't know if it was even legit. I think that they might have like illegally done this to us. But I went to the teacher's lounge, played violin for a little bit. I was so bad that they like exempted me from it. I was so bad at playing the violin that they like wrote a letter that said, this guy is so bad at playing violin 
we've like just passed him along. No kid left behind. Shout out to that. Uh, he can't play violin. Not even going to try to anymore after two weeks. Imagine how bad you have to be as a fifth grader that after two weeks, they've already given up on you to play violin. So yeah, I, I'm not great at musical situations. Uh, but to answer your question, let's go with Dallas uh, Bertans on the cello. Like that. If, if there's ever been a cello player, it's Dallas Bertans. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Uh, Shay on the uh, on the clarinet. That seems right. I don't know what's the what's the best instrument to be playing. Like like wh- what's the instrument where it's like oh he got to play the you know he got to play the you know the zippity do. Uh, let's go with uh, J Dub on the triangle. J J Dub on the triangle just looks like something he just do. Jadab looks like the kind of guy who'd like bring a triangle into the tunnel, like the league fit pictures before the games. You just randomly have a triangle there. Um, so let's put him on the triangle. Uh, Jay will, will be on the, what's the one that, what's the one with like the little keys, the little Zalia phone where you go that one. Um, I'm running out of, of instruments. That I know. I don't think I know a single other instrument. Uh, Lou Dort on the piccolo. Is there a piccolo in the orchestra? Um, Chet on the on the uh, saxophone. Could you imagine Chet playing the saxophone? All right, I'm not going to do the whole roster. I was trying to think of one more instrument, but I don't think I have one in me. Uh, I don't got one more in me with the instruments. What's what's one more instrument? The harp. Let's who who should play the harp? on the thunder Aaron Wiggins is on the harp for the thunder. There you go. That's, that's who should play every instrument uh, for the thunder coming up more of your mad about questions uh, that hopefully involve less childhood trauma of playing the violin. But first I want to say right now, my good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is incredible and it's an awesome time to jump into FanDuel right now because they have everything you need at FanDuel. They have player props, over-unders, spreads, and more. They have the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the college football playoffs, the college basketball regular season. They have it all for you over there at FanDuel. And right now, new customers can get bonus bets up to $150 in bonus bets for winning a $5 Moneyline bet. And the Moneyline is just who you think will win. So you place a $5 Moneyline bet, and you can even do this on the biggest favorite on the board. If they win... Bada bing, bada boom, you get 150 bucks in bonus bets. And if you go to FanDuel right now, as of the time of this recording, and you go to the NBA tab, you can see that tonight against the Utah Jazz, the Thunder are 12 and a half point favorites. Will they get there? Will they cover that? Find out tonight against Utah and go right now and check out FanDuel by going to FanDuel.com slash lockdown. And you can go there, put a $5 money line bet, and whenever you win that bet, boom, you get the 150 bucks in bonus bets. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
We're back on the Lockdown Theater Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Uh, Major Ray says, if we know Isaiah Joe best compliments SGA as a duo, why doesn't Joe get the nod over Giddy? Joe spaces the floor and helps SGA, which also helps Chet and Jada. Yeah, this is the same uh, conversation as the starters conversation. Eh, it's just the, the starters very much prioritized by many people. I think it matters more who you close with, and they do close with, with Joe and Kaysen and guys who come with them better. Uh, but, yeah, I, the bottom line is it doesn't really matter who starts in the grand scheme of things. It is frustrating for that first, like, three-minute, four-minute spell uh, at times. But the bottom line is they're just going to try to continue to use this season as gathering information and as much data as possible before they go make a different uh, path or a different solution or a different whatever uh, for, for OKC. Now, Trey Thomas says the best, uh, the past two games, the Thunder have shot 27% and 17% from three, respectively. Pressy said the sky falls on the team twice a year, but never said that meant losing games. Uh, is it possible the sky can fall and the Thunder can still be winning games? Maybe that I'm just being overly optimistic. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it sky falling. I think that it shows great resilience uh, and it shows great uh, ability to, to win in a multitude of ways. But I don't think the sky is falling. The sky falling was like, I think going through like a ton of adversity of just like you lose two out of three, you lose three of four, and it's a two, it's to a couple teams you know you shouldn't have lost to. And it feels just, it feels icky. It feels bad. You know, it's losing to Charlotte and Detroit last year. And it feels bad, but ultimately you're able to overcome it. But yeah, I mean, it is resilient. It, it is good. I wouldn't consider it sky falling, though, for, for the Thunder, for, for having them win these last couple of uh, games while not shooting, shooting well. Uh, from what you've observed, from Morgan Workman, from what you've observed, which two Thunder players are best friends? I will guarantee you an answer on this one. Now, you know me. I don't like to talk about these guys as people in the sense of, like, them personally because what, what we see is just, like, not enough to just say who they are as people. That would be unfair to them be unfair to you, but I can't tell you this one for a fact, and it's Trey Mann and Aaron Wiggins. Those two guys are like inseparable. They're like best friends. I think that the team like literally calls them twins, like from what I've gathered from them talking about, about Wiggins and, and Trey. Uh, they're always working out together uh, pregame. They're always having these little inside jokes about this player developmental coach who like works them out pregame and can test their shots, and every time that they make a shot uh, in that coach's face, his name is Ryan, they just make fun of him relentlessly. And it's like, what are you supposed to do if you're Ryan in that scenario? Like you're, you're contesting as hard as you, can, as, as you can, but you're like a, you're just a normal uh, guy and they're NBA players just knocking down shots, but they just give him a living heck for, for, for that pregame workout. So those two guys are hilarious uh, getting to watch them warm up. They warm up like uh, sec, you know, third and fourth respectively, because it's usually like Mishich and then Jang and then, uh, and then them. And so like they warm up before even Mark talks. So they warm up like 430. And it's a completely empty bowl, completely silent stadium. So we're sitting there courtside and can hear everything they're saying. And they're just hilarious. And and uh, even like other players talk about their relationship of like how close that they are. So I feel pretty comfortable saying that those are like the two best friends. But but the whole team, to their credit, from what we can observe, from what we can see, again, I don't want to pry too much into this because we don't know them. But from what we can see, the whole team really like vibes well, gets along well, uh, in, and are very close and like friends and like friends away from work too. Where like, it's not just like, Hey, they show up to the building and they get along and they, and they joke for a little bit, but then like they go their separate ways. What we can observe 
like legit, like like each other and like to be around each other, which is cool, which is really cool for, for this team. Uh, Retro Dash says, what do you think the Thunder need to be a championship caliber team? Experience would be like the first and foremost thing. Uh, you're not promised championship ever, no matter what you do, even if you traded like, even if you traded like for a billion uh, great players with a billion picks, you're not guaranteed anything. Look at the, the heat against the Mavs in 2011. You're not guaranteed anything despite what it says on paper, but experience will go a long way in getting them to be a championship caliber team, right? As this team develops and gets experience, they're going to have seen how to handle playoff series. They're going to have seen how to handle the ebbs and flows of a season. And look at the transformation JW has made from year one to two, both physically, both, both mentally as like a more aggressive score to go get his and in, in those moments without shit on the court where he knows he needs to step up. Uh, and then because of that physicality, he's able to score more uh, in a diverse way at the rim. He's able to hit uh, these tough mid-range shots over defenders. Uh, he's able to bump guys off their spot and he's able to play up defensively even even more efficiently than he did last year. So like in just a short amount of time, you saw J-Dub uh, gain some experience and, then, and thus gain an ability to uh, up his game. And from what we know about Chet, the stories have remained consistent about Chet. Like people within the team, scouts from other teams that went through the due diligence of scouting Chet, former players who have worked out with him, former players who have talked to him, uh, current teammates, past teammates, uh, players who were familiar with him before college, after college, and now everyone to a T discusses his insane work ethic and discusses the fact that like this guy truly lives, breathes, sleeps, eats everything basketball. Like he's a basketball junkie and he'll do whatever it takes to, to like get better. Like you, whenever you have a guy that's, that's that locked in basketball wise <laughs> and, and has that much talent already, that is something that like with experience, he can, the, it's unreal what he could do with experience. Look at SGA, same type of motor and work ethic from where he was with the Clippers to where he is now is just unmatched growth and like really unprojectable growth from SGA. Like we can do the revisionist history of like, Oh, we always knew he could do this. You know, Anyone could do it. It's the act of actually doing it. That is like the, 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 the thing, right? And with Chet, he has the, from what we know, the, the, the mental makeup to like go do it. So like experience for those guys is going to be huge. Uh, but beyond that, um, it's just like, if you're talking about from a team construction standpoint, you know, they, they could use a, a option, right. To have a, you know, modern four, but like a four who is just a, four, right? Who is like, who can stretch the floor, who can rebound. The problem is with what the Thunder need is it's a really hard player to find. It's like this four who can rebound, who can space the floor and shoot, uh, and who can defend and switch and and, and be very versatile defensively uh, while cutting and shooting and rebounding offensively and defensively. Um, that way you can move Jade up to a three and then have like a, a, a Shea, Kaysen, Dort, whoever at the two, uh, Jade up that mythical four then Chet, but that's really hard to, to get that kind of player. Uh, and then, you know, you could, you could use a curveball big. I mean, there's, there, there's nothing wrong with having that side armor in your, in your uh, bullpen, right? You know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to lean on 2015 Wade Davis, but you, know, you got a little submariner coming out of the pen on a, on a random Tuesday night in, uh, in Anaheim works pretty well for your bullpen to get you through a regular season. So you can, you can try for a curveball big as well. And, and, but ultimately the, the, the biggest thing is going to be experience because you can, with the assets that the Thunder have and the flex, flexibility that the Thunder have, 
you can fill out the rest of the stuff in all likelihood. But what you can't replace, what you can't speed up, what you can't uh, replicate is just experience. And not just for the players. Like Mark has to learn how to coach in a, in a playoff series. For the majority of his career to this point, it's been spent game planning internally. You are now at the point where you're game planning externally. You're game planning for a specific matchup. In a playoff series, you're game planning for the exact same opponent night in and night out for, for two weeks straight, right? So to flip the switch like that you know, might come with learning curves. And so him getting getting adjusted to that as well will be huge. So experience will be the first and foremost thing for, for what this team needs uh, for, for the Thunder. Not to say they have it all figured out, not to say that they have everything in place already, but that stuff, because of what the Thunder have done in, 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 transactionally to this point, that stuff is easier to figure out than just like, flat out experience. So a lot of great mailbag questions today from you all on a mailbag Monday. Uh, we do a mailbag every single week. So it'll be a lot of fun uh, to recap this week, which is going to have a lot of fun games involved in it uh, in the coming days and coming weeks. Uh, so next week, we're going to have a mailbag podcast. We're also going to have the return of Grager Takes, where you send me. At that point, we'll have a, a lot of games under our belt. About to, about to what would it be about 25 games under our belt? You're going to send me your hottest NBA takes, your hottest Thunder takes, and I'll grade them on, on the pepper scale one through five. Thank you all who sent questions. Thank you all who just simply listen. Uh, thank you all for uh, listening to today's show. And thank you all for for everyone who comes up to me at, at games. It's a lot of fun to, to get to know you all and uh, talk to you all. Uh, and trust me. I'm not that important. I'm never, I'm never really busy. So like, if you see me in a game, uh, always stop me, say, hi, we're all, we're all good. I have stickers too. Um, Locked On has sent us like these stickers to give away to people at games. If you ever see me, so ask for one of those stickers, you'll gladly have as many as you want, but uh, there it is. So today's show in the can tomorrow, we're going to recap the jazz game Wednesday, a monumental podcast one way or the other about the vote for the arena. And uh, thank you all for listening to today's show until tomorrow. Be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.